great Odin's raven. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 29. My name is Adam and today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing good. I'm doing good as well. This week we'll be finally doing our feature review of Beasts of the Southern Wild. I'm also going to be doing a mini review of The Expendables 2 and Paranorman because I saw both of those this weekend. Uh, we'll be highlighting some of this week's news, and as usual, we'll be going over some Amazon Blu-ray deals, giving our weekly predictions, and we're also going to be doing our DVD and Blu-ray releases this week in this episode, so we're going to kind of truncate it into one episode rather than releasing two separate ones, so we'll be doing those as well. Uh, first, let's talk about what we've been watching. Kevin, let's start with you this week. What have you got going on uh i had a really stellar week i must say uh i I kicked things off with uh crossing another movie off of my movies that i have to watch before the end of the year which was 2001 a space odyssey by mr stanley kubrick no i never heard of this movie what's this what's this all about this is uh a little sci-fi flick oh yeah it's like cult movie Really underappreciated. No one really ever talks about it. No, I never yeah. even heard of it. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a movie that I have seen. I saw a long time ago. I don't even know. I can't even remember if I saw the entire thing. But uh, I think we talked about it on another episode where I think it was during the Prometheus episode mm-hmm. where I said that I needed to go back and watch this and pay attention. And I'm glad I did, because it was fantastic. Yeah, this is one of my all-time top movies. This is Kubrick at his finest. Yeah, and I mean, this is uh, also helped that uh, it was part of the Sight and Sound Top 50 of all time, which I think it came in at number number six. Came in at number six movie of all time. I could agree with that. Yeah, I can definitely agree. I mean, you know, there's movies where you talk like, oh, the cinematography was wonderful. This is one of those movies where it's perfect from start to finish. There is really no bad shot in this movie. Everything is perfectly framed, perfectly filmed. It's just unbelievable. And the special effects for the time were unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, you know, watching it, I think I watched it like Tuesday or something, 2012, and it still looks, it still looks good. It doesn't look dated at all, really. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I mean, you can tell that it was from the 60s, but wow. Yeah, I liked, I loved all the sets and stuff. Like, apparently, he modeled a lot of the. um, I guess because maybe NASA wouldn't let him use actual like interiors for uh, the the shuttles and stuff. So like he used photographs and stuff like that to model the interiors and and stuff. And it looked so good. Yeah, this, it was amazing. And I have to ask, have you heard of all the conspiracy theories behind this movie and um, the shining? 
No, but I do. I just, I was just remembered. I just remembered that because of watching this. I was like, wasn't there a documentary that just came out a little bit ago about the conspiracy theories of The Shining? Yeah, it was called. I think the, it's like Room Room Two Forty Seven. Yeah, think. and uh, there was one that also came out uh, like a year ago called Kubrick's Odyssey, and that talked about. 2001 and The Shining. You should definitely check that out because I'm not a conspiracy nut. I don't buy into a lot of the stuff with, you know, the JFK assassination and the moon landing and all that other stuff. But this documentary, it's a super low budget documentary. It was like self um, distributed by this guy. And I think you can buy it on Amazon it's a pretty compelling argument. Like some of the stuff is just too coincidental. You, you can't be like, all of that is just coincidence. Yeah. Well, this, uh, I think you said earlier at room two forty seven. I think that's what it is. It's two. It's room two thirty seven. Two thirty seven. I was close. Directed by Rodney Asher. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing that as well. I think that that focuses on The Shining, but I believe that it has to probably reference 2001 as well because they're linked. The The theories are linked. Hmm. But you, yeah, you got to check that out It because definitely. I would definitely be curious to hear your take on what you think, so... Maybe I'll give you that as a homework assignment for next week. Oh, homework assignment. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was trying to break down 2001 a little bit. I'm not quite there yet. That's why I didn't really expound too much on and in my review. But I'm going to continue to think about it. It's what I liked about it. You know, it's one of those movies that you're going to be thinking about for a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that kicked off the week, which was a good start. I have to say. And then I followed it up with The Raid Redemption. Ugh. Loved it. Yeah, same here. Finally got to see this, and I was just giddy the entire time. Just giddy like a little schoolchild. It raises the bar on action films and martial arts films. Yeah. It, it excels on every level. I mean... The, the interesting thing about the raid is there's very little plot, but they get it all. They get the backstory out of the way in like the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's all you need to know. The yeah, rest of yeah. the rest of the plot sort of develops. Like you, you get these characters backstories as this is unfolding. And I liked how they did that because there was no like needless exposition. There was no like there was no pauses in the action to describe. Oh well, this guy's got this wife and all this, all this yeah. stuff. Like they yeah. they kind of integrated it all into it. While you, where you're figuring out who these people are as the action is happening. Yeah, and that was something that I. That, I mean, normally I'll watch a movie and then I'll read, you know, reviews or people's thoughts on it afterwards just to see what they think and i did run across a couple of people that were like oh the, there's no plot and i'm thinking what what more did you want 
Yeah. It's an action movie. It's a martial arts movie. They give you a little bit of plot that completely explains the entire film and then just sit back and enjoy the damn fighting. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how much more character development did you want? Did you want to see, like, the guy being going through his childhood? <laughs> I mean, my God. I wanted some more with the wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, wanted to, I wanted to know how she feels about everything. Yeah, but, I, I felt that anything more would be just needless. And I thought that they added enough for us to get to know the characters and to care about them. But they didn't add too much fluff. I mean, this movie's 99% action. Yes, and, and, and but that, that was the great thing about it. I mean, I was a little worried at first because, you know, it's the SWAT team and they're raiding this building. You know, they have all their guns and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I really hope that there's not going to be a lot of gunplay. And then, like me and you were talking, they run out of ammunition on like the second floor. So, win for me. Guns are out of here. There's only one explosion, which is amazing for an action movie. Because usually, you know, American action movies, it's just yeah. f- filled to the brim with explosions. And, and see, I'm not big on explosions either. No, I, I would rather I hate see fighting. Yeah, to me, explosions are the easy way out. I would just throw in a huge explosion here. But after that one explosion, and then it's just nothing but hand-to-hand combat, and it is, it's nonstop. Visceral? Yes. Very just visceral. Non- and I said it in my, I don't know if you read my uh, letterbox review, mm-hmm. but I mean, I've never seen this uh, Pentax Slat martial art fighting, but I have, it just, how can your knees handle that? So much <laughs> yeah. kicking and punching of the knees. And I'm sorry, but knees don't heal. They're joints. I don't care how strong you are. If you're getting kicked in the knees all day, you're going to have trouble just walking up a flight of steps. Yeah, there was fighting people. There were several standout moments. And uh, going back to the explosion, that scene was, I thought was incredible. How they just... He took two seconds to figure out that that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. And it was like, just crazy. I, I, I did like that, that scene. And there were several really tense moments in this too. Like when it wasn't high octane action, it was extremely suspenseful. Like the scene in the wall in particular, mm-hmm. like yeah. you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> like... It's just so crazy. And they just they took everything to another level in this movie. The the knife fighting was like something I've never seen before. Yeah. The everything looked so real. Like the especially like when he flipped the dude over the the ledge and he landed on mm. his back. Yeah. I was like <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure what we just saw was real. They really did throw that guy <laughs> off of there. They just sacrificed the guy like, for the movie. It, it was just incredible. I loved it. Yeah, and one one more thing is when I first read about this movie was um, there was a little comment about how Gareth Evans, the director, and the actors they uh, rehearsed for six months before they actually started filming. And man, you can you can tell. Oh, the the choreography is amazing. out of control. Out of it, control. It's amazing. And I just it's really nice to see them take the time to get everything right. And it's it's so fast and 
the some of the fight scenes are extremely long, mm-hmm. and you're just like, yeah. how can they keep doing it? And, and, exactly. And they're like, a lot of them are shot in one take. You know, they're not a lot of cuts. That was the other thing I really liked about the film was the camera work. I I love how the camera just followed the action. Like, it was re- in there. It was almost like the camera was another character. Like, you were just seeing out of the eyes of someone else. And I just... And, yeah, and thank God for no shaky cam. Yeah, there was... And it was funny because I read some reviews on this too, and some people were complaining about the camera work, and I was like, "What are you talking about? You got to see everything." Mm-hmm. I thought the camera work was incredible in this movie. Yeah, and I have to also say is that there was some really good cinematography for an action film. Yeah, some of the some of those scenes are shot very nicely, yep. which you don't often see. Yeah, I, I do. Um, now, did you see the Blu-ray? Or did you see the DVD? Uh, I saw the DVD. I want to see, and I don't know, maybe the Blu-ray is, or the DVD is the same, but it came out on Blu-ray this week, and it is an uncut version. Mm. I, I don't. I saw it in the theater, so I don't know if there's yeah, I think they more did, added on. I think I did read that it was cut when it came over here to the U.S., that it's not the original version. Yeah, the Blu-ray has the uncut version, which I want to see. And I know that they redid the music for the yeah. U.S. version, but I was fine with the music. I didn't think it was anything special, but I didn't hate it. Yeah, I didn't hate it either, especially with it being, was it like Linkin Park? Mike Isn't Shinoda. Mike Shinoda, yeah, and I can't stand them, but I didn't mind it. No, it was fine. It was fine. What else you got? Uh, my only misstep, if you can call it that, is rewatching Leaving Las Vegas. Now, I rewatched this a couple of years ago, and I read your comments on your review, and I would definitely agree with you that it does look extremely dated, and it actually, that kind of relates to another movie I'm going to talk about that looks extremely dated from the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a movie that my wife has never seen. Oh, okay. So I got to rewatch Leaving Las Vegas. And aside from the performances from Nicolas Cage and Elizabeth Shue, uh, not much else going for it. Still a decent movie. I thought Nicolas Cage was really good in it. Uh, Elizabeth Shue was, you know, she she did an all right job. But I... The cinematography and the camera work is just awful. Just awful. Was Elizabeth Shue nominated for an Oscar for that? I seem to remember that. Like, Yeah, yeah. Best Actress, she was nominated. Yeah. And after... But it sucks because after that, she's got nothing. Hollow Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she sort of dropped off there. I, I still but like so did Yeah, so did Mike Figgis, too, though. The director. He hasn't really done much hmm. after this. I mean, he's done a couple of movies, but none of them really heard of. Cold Creek Manor? It sounds somewhat familiar. Cold Creek Manor. That does sound familiar. I just, I hated the camera work. I, cu- I couldn't stand it. No. Just the cheesy slow motion and the the tilting of the camera. And the- I remember when this came out, it was huge. Mm-hmm. Everybody was talking about this. And I, I remember I wasn't allowed to see it when it came out. I remember my parents rented it, but they didn't let me watch it. 
And it wasn't until years later that I watched it, and I was like, "Well, oh, this isn't that special." Mm-mm. It was just so. It was just so depressing. Like, I I don't particularly like movies about alcoholics unless unless it's uh, like a side plot or or not not the focal point of the film. Yeah. What was that? There was a movie that came out probably around that time with Meg Ryan when she was an alcoholic, and I hated it. I can't remember the name of it, but pretty much any movie where alcoholism is the, like the focal point, I just and don't like it. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think there's really been I'm trying to think. I'm sure there are some, but just it seems like one of those things that Hollywood doesn't really get right most of the time. No. No, I mean, I think that there's definitely an argument for leaving Las Vegas. People loved that movie but i was never a big fan even when i first saw it years ago yeah well i think that's going to be the last time that i revisit that movie oh yeah i doubt i'll watch it again (laughs) uh what else oh cachet i know we're not gonna we're not gonna talk too much about this because we're which i was thinking i think next week i'm gonna go uh I'm going to go on the Haneke binge. Good, good. After seeing this movie. Yeah. We'll talk about that uh, off the air and decide when we we are going to do a uh, Haneke episode where we kind of, hopefully we can get Todd in our contributor. He's, he loves Michelle Haneke. Yeah. We, we have to, we have to get him because this was the second 10 out of 10 movie that I saw. Oh, so you're Okay. I'm giving this a 10 out of 10. Wow. Yeah. So I go from, I have the first movie of Haneke that I watch is like a 1 or 2 out of 10. And then the second one I watch is like a 10 out of 10. Well, you definitely, so I'm not, liked, you definitely liked it more than me. I was I was loving it up until the end. Which I, I think I am going to do. I think I might write a little analysis theory thing for the website. You might have, upon, did, you, uh, did you check IMDb to see what people said? Because I found oh, I checked IMDb. I checked uh, all of like Ebert wrote about it three times. I read all most of the comments on Ebert. I didn't really find anything. Did you find anything? Oh no, I didn't look. Okay, I didn't, I didn't really research it. I did. I researched Benny's video after I saw it, and there's a amazing um, breakdown of it on IMDb. Hmm. But uh, um, you'll have to watch that one too. I'd like to talk yeah. about that one. I mean, I think people people got close saying that it was Haneke sending the films, but I think they're just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to. So we'll we'll come back. We'll come back and talk about that because his other yeah, cause, films. Yeah, because I'm interested in to see what uh, Todd what his theory is. Mr. I love Haneke. Uh, you got anything else? No. I think that's it. I mean, other than my third 10 out of 10. But we're going to be talking about that in a little bit. I started off the week with uh, The Boss of It All, which is a Lars von Trier film. And this is kind of a departure for him. It's a comedy. It's pretty light. It's not anything majorly disturbing. Kind of about this 
actor who gets hired to play the boss of this IT company. And the interesting thing about it is the way that Lars von Trier set up the framing in the film because he used this uh, technique that he invented called uh, it's called Ultima Vision or something like that. And it's basically computer generated framing where he has a computer automatically randomly generate the shot framing. So it's kind of all over the place. The audio is all over the place. Uh, Von Trier narrates it himself from time to time, which feels completely out of place and strange. It's kind of like, it's almost like he's just wanted to do something for fun. It doesn't feel like any kind of real movie. And probably half the actors are from the show clown. The other half are from his other movie, the idiots. And it wasn't very funny to me, but it could be some things lost in translation. There were a couple funny parts. I kind of like the end, but it was kind of slow. Um, and that actually leads me to my first bit of news. I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, Shia LaBeouf was cast in Lars von Trier's new film, Nymphomaniac. And in an interview, he said that there would be real sex happening in the film that's yeah. going to be shown. Oh, yeah. No, I knew that. I read about that a while ago. Not the, the Shia LaBeouf part, but I remember... Um, Charlotte Gainsbourg talking about it because uh, she was talking about in Antichrist uh, the scene where she is essentially masturbating Willem Dafoe while he's like sleeping. Ugh. Was he sleeping? No, he was he passed was, out. Yeah, he was passed out. That Lars von Trier wanted that to be a real porn actor, and she was supposed to legitimately do that to a porn actor. And she said, no, no way, I'm not doing that. So in, in her interview, she was talking about how Lars Van Trier is probably going to try and do more of the same with Nymphomania. And I think she was even talking about how he's already trying to talk her into having like real on-screen sex with a porn actor. From what Shia LaBeouf said in an MTV interview, he said most of the actors that are in the movie are going to be the ones actually doing the things and he said that there was like a big uh like a disclaimer like a disclosure thing that they had to sign to say that they would be willing to do this stuff and this kind of goes along with Shia LaBeouf announcing earlier in the week that he is no longer going to be working within the studio system and he basically wrote off Hollywood films. I don't know if you read about this, but he basically said that he hates the the studio industry and he's never going to be working with big studios ever again. And that he's excited to work with Lars von Trier because it von Trier scares him. He's He's like a scary filmmaker and that's what he wants in his careers he wants to be challenged and scared yeah and i'm all i'm all for that i'm i know i don't think that you're a big labeouf fan but i actually i actually like him and i I think that i 
if he does go through with that and sticks to indies and stuff, I think that that's a good I, choice. I think I think he's all right, but I also think that this is this is easy for him because he made a shit ton of money with Transformers. I mean, if Transformers didn't happen, I wonder if he would be kicking Hollywood to the curb so quickly. Well, but maybe it's because of his experiences with those big budget Hollywood Yeah, it films. could be. It could be a little bit of both, but I'm sure I that think he be- has a little bit of a comfort level there since of the, you know, the money that he got from Hollywood that he's yeah. going to be able to do this. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm sure that's a factor, but you have to think if he was never in that, if he never made it, if he was never in that system to begin with, he wouldn't, he wouldn't know. So I doubt that he'd be making those comments to begin with. And yeah, the, he, the, the quote that, it, that he said was really funny. It, he said, uh, what if Hollywood approached Terrence Malick to make Transformers 4? <laughs> He's like, you wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> it was just funny. So, uh, I would like to see that. Good on you. Good on but, but but at the same time, I mean, think if he never made it into Hollywood, what like maybe next year he'd be making like Holes Three or something. <laughs> Even Stevens, the movie, <laughs> yeah, four. He'd be, he'd be like all grown up digging holes and shit out in the desert. Well, I mean, cash I, that check. I think he's a talented actor, and I think that that's why he made it past the Disney Channel. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean I'll give him that. That's just he was. I mean, I mean maybe my uh, my thoughts will change on him because uh, he's, we'll you know, he's not going to be doing Hollywood movies. So yeah, I mean we'll see we'll because he's probably going to start doing doing more like Fonterier, Terrence yeah. Malick films, and you're into those. So yeah, yeah, I mean I can't I can't like give a round of applause to a guy that was in Transformers. <laughs> Bonding with, what the hell was Bumblebee? Like a Chevy? I don't care. Anyway, so there's that. Uh, boss of it all, I wouldn't bother with. It's it's not great. Um, I also saw Monster Squad, the film from 1987. This is one of these kids' movies that, for some reason, I didn't see when I was a kid. And I don't know why. Because if I saw it when I was a kid, I would have been totally in love with this film it came out probably right after goonies it's very much like goonies but this week was the 25th anniversary of the film being released so i decided to give it a watch because i never saw it before and it was pretty good i mean i if i was 12 i would have loved it (laughs) if you were 12 you would have loved it yep that's that's fine this guy directed uh RoboCop 3. Yeah. Well, when you look at the cast and the director, nobody went on to do anything. But Oh, except uh, I did see Tom Noonan's in there. Yes, Tom Noonan is in there. But he doesn't play a very big role. Oh, I like Tom Noonan. um, Tom Noonan plays Frankenstein. Yeah. He's Frankenstein. Still, not a big role. Um, I saw Boxing Helena which was Jennifer Lynch's first film, her debut film. And this goes back to the 90s film looking very dated. This is basically just a misery ripoff. I didn't like it. Oh, it's full circle again. Yep. 
not really full circle, but Julian Sands, who's in Leaving Las Vegas. Yes, I did not like this film. I thought that it started off good enough, but it kind of fell apart near the end. And the premise is interesting. There's this rich, successful surgeon who becomes obsessed with this woman. She gets in a horrific, uh, she gets hit by a car out in front of his house and he takes her in, cuts off her legs and keeps her captive in his house. Okay. Um, very, it's clear that this is the daughter of David Lynch. It was, it felt like a David Lynch film. There's a lot of like, just weird, random things that they would put in there. But it still was not good. I probably couldn't recommend that. Mm. Uh, And then I saw The Thin Blue Line, the Errol Morris documentary. Never saw it before. And I'm a huge documentary guy, so I decided I had to sit down and watch it. And I loved it. It would be a 10 out of 10 for me. The use of the reenactments was great in this. They were expertly done. And like I said in my letterbox review, you got to give a five out of five to any movie that saves somebody's life. And that's what happens with this movie. So, yeah, I think, I, I think you have to, I, I think it's a rule. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very similar to the paradise lost series. Uh, although the paradise lost series doesn't have reenactments, uh, structurally it's, it's sort of the same. And the the concept or the the basic plot is the same. It's a murder mystery, and as the documentary unfolds, they start to uncover lots of evidence that kind of points to someone other than the person that got convicted of this crime, which was the the murder of a police officer. And it, it was just very interesting, very compelling. I think that it. It it does look a little dated. It came out in 1988, but overall it holds up. And it was nice to see this movie for the first time now because after I watched it, I could go back and look up what happened to these people. Yeah. And that was that was really that was really cool to to be able to do that and see, you know, what where these people are now or what happened to them. Yeah, this is definitely one that I I gotta check out. Yeah, soon. Highly recommend that. I th- and then I think one second. I'm thinking. Uh, um, you remember the Sight and Sound Top Fifty Critics Films of All Time came out? Yeah. Well, they came out with the rest of the list. It's the top mm-hmm. two hundred and fifty. Oh yeah, yeah. I looked at that. I saw that this was on there. Yeah, it's near the near the bottom there. But yep, I, I did see that. Yeah, so definitely need to check that one out. Yeah, if you're into documentaries, I mean, I love documentaries, so this was just right up my alley, especially crime documentaries. Those are always great mysteries. Um, I saw Rolling Thunder. What? <laughs> this, is a, this is a movie that came out in 1977. Uh, it's based on a novel that was written by the same guy that did Taxi Driver, and you can really see that in this movie. This is clearly a Taxi Driver 
uh, I don't want to say ripoff, but it's it's pretty much Taxi Driver. Just in a different setting, basically, this guy comes home from Vietnam. He was stuck in a POW camp for seven years. And then he gets this, as a, like a reward or whatever, he, he gets this suitcase full of silver dollars. I was just reading this, reading the storyline, and yeah. the second sentence is, some greedy thugs decide that they want to steal a number of silver dollars from him. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> silver dollars. Just a number. The, a number and that's, of them. That is the, the big issue I had with this movie the whole time I'm watching it. So th- there's these, it's a big televised event. He gets a silver dollar for every day he was stuck in a POW camp, which amounts to like $2,500. And... <laughs> Cash these money. guys these guys see it and they break into his house they steal the suitcase of silver dollars they put his hand in a garbage disposal and then they kill his wife and his son and that's not i mean that's for not like spoiler that's suitcase in the synopsis for a suitcase of silver dollars yeah for like $2500 basically and the whole time i'm like all that for 2500 bucks and I was watching it with my girlfriend. She was like, yeah, but what, what do you think that is for today's standards? Because this was in 19... The movie came out in 77. I think that the movie actually took place in 73 or 74. So I actually looked it up. And after inflation, it comes out to $10,600. Six. Well, I mean, people have been killed for less. Yeah, but it, this was just ridiculous but it so is anyway he it, i did i'm just i just find it odd that someone would be pitching a movie and be like a suit a suitcase full of silver dollars and they're yeah, like was, yep green light yeah it was it was crazy but the, the main guy was played by william devane who he's one of those guys where you know his face but not not a very well-known name he was in a ton of stuff though and Tommy Lee oh, Jones is also in it. Yes. Early, early role for Tommy Lee Jones. And it was very much like Taxi Driver. It was a slow burn, ultra violent at the end. But it, it wasn't anything spectacular. The reason I watched this is because I believe this was on Quentin Tarantino's Sight and Sound list. Mm, okay. And I was like, oh... You know, I heard of this movie. I, I never saw it, so I figured I'd give it a give it a watch. And it has a really cool poster. So, but did I mean afterwards we sort of like Quentin? What are you thinking? Well, he always has really weird taste. Like the movies that he picks on his lists are are always really odd. And this was odd. I mean, it was a good movie. Like the silver dollar thing aside, it was a good. It was a pretty good movie. <laughs> I would recommend seeing it. It's not on the level of Taxi Driver, but it's it's still solid. Uh, and finally, I watched uh, My Neighbor Totoro, which is... Ah, uh, you son of a bitch. Studio Ghibli film from 1988. I kind of watched it as a palate cleanser because I saw a lot of pretty dark, depressing things this week. Yeah. And I wanted to go back and watch some of these Studio Ghibli films that I haven't seen or that I haven't seen for years. I know. And I never saw, I never saw my neighbor Totoro. 
I'm actually going to be watching the rest of the Studio Ghibli this lineup. Is, this is also weeks. on my uh, my list of movies that I have to watch before the end of the year. Oh, really? Which I forgot to say that Cache was also on that list. So I got I got two knocked off this week. Hopefully this week coming up, I can watch my new Tutoro. Knock that off of there. It was fantastic. I, I loved it. Uh, perfect film. Much like pretty much every other Studio Ghibli. Highly recommend. The animation is just incredible. Like, you can't tell it's from 1988. The opening credits look like they're from 1988 but the rest of the movie it's just it's just so well done the story is incredible the little creatures are adorable and i just want to watch them all day (laughs) uh and it was it was great i i highly 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 recommend it yeah i think this is on sight and sound isn't it too uh the the big list yeah yeah the the top 50 which i think is Mm -hmm. the only animated film on the top 50? Um, yeah, I think so. I can't think of any others. I can't either. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. I do want to talk about Paranorman and The Expendables 2, but I think we'll do that before we um, do our review of Beasts of the Southern Wild. So let's go over some Amazon deals. Uh, to get these incredible deals, just hit up our site at filmpulse.net and click on the Amazon banner to the right and shop as you would normally. Or click on the store link and check out some of what we've been watching in our favorite films. This week, uh, it's actually, we got some new Blu-rays this week that I want to go over. Ooh. First of all, the, the Hunger Games is uh, on sale for $19.99 on Amazon. You've probably already checked out the Hunger Games. Uh, but I had, if you want to have it in your collection, $19.99. I have to say, I was... Uh, Saturday, I was at Target, and there's a bunch of people in like the DVD section, which you don't really see anymore nowadays. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why are all these people freaking out about DVDs? And then I saw that it was The Hunger Games. So even when it came out on DVD, people are freaking out about it. It came out on Friday, which is very unusual. I don't know why, but I've never heard of a DVD or Blu-ray release come out on a Friday, but... They did it with the Hunger Games because they it's can. That, it's just that kind of movie. Yeah, and I still I still stand by what I originally said about it. I did like it, so yeah, it was, I thought it was alright. Uh, the other one, Jaws Blu-ray, and this is Jaws Blu-ray DVD digital copy plus ultraviolet. Oh, this is nineteen ninety six. Ooh. Um, I've been hearing fantastic things about the Blu-ray transfer for Jaws, so definitely, definitely, definitely pick that one up. Now, yeah, that's one that you definitely got to check out because that's one of those movies that, like, I enjoy, but I really wish that I was around back then to see it on the movies on the screen. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, get this. I missed it last night. They screened Jaws here. Yeah, they screened it here in uh, Tallahassee. They did a screening. I wanted to go, but I didn't. Well, the nice thing is now you got just get yourself the Blu-ray copy. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And they also Put it up on your big screen. There's also a documentary on the Blu-ray that I've been interested to see. It's an hour and 45 minute long documentary about Jaws. 
and it, it goes over like the production, all the problems they had. It, it goes all the way up to like the marketing and how they did the poster and everything. Extremely in-depth documentary. Nice. And they get they get like all the original cast back and Spielberg and everything. So I'm really interested to see that as well. I can't remember. It's called The Shark Still Working or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm very interested to see that. So those are two two you should definitely check out. Um, I also want to mention that we now have donation buttons on all of our episodes. So you can do a one-time donation of any amount you want. Or you can also sign up for a recurring donation, which is only $0.99 cents a month like a dollar a month to help support the show so click on those links we really appreciate that because the show is completely donation driven are we gonna get are we gonna start uh going into the the route of like the npr we're gonna start (laughs) doing (laughs) underwriters we're gonna get some underwriters every every uh couple of months it seems like npr does that like every two months now pledge drive yeah they do they do it entirely too often now yeah. But yeah, we're going to have pledge drives. <laughs> Where we so. just <laughs> say the same things over and over again. We're standing by the phones. We don't hear those phones ringing. We'd like to thank Brugger's Bagels for supplying our lunch today. <laughs> uh, Get those yes. phones ringing. Uh, okay, I think I'm going to talk really briefly about The Expendables 2 and Paranorman. I think our discussion of The Expendables 2 might be a little bit longer, so I'm going to just quickly go over paranorman i recommend it it was it was great it was fun there was really funny the stop motion animation was incredible uh i have a full review for that and the expendables 2 on the site so just go to filmpulse.net to read my thoughts at length but definitely recommend paranorman i still liked Coraline better but i thought paranorman was solid and I, I do recommend it. Yeah, I, w- I really want to see this. It was cool. I mean, everybody's saying that the 3D looks really great in it, but I honestly couldn't even tell that it was in 3D. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if my eyes just got used to it or what, but nothing about the 3D really stuck out for mm. me. See, I don't really even... I'm one of those people that can't really watch the 3D stuff. Gives me yeah, a huge was- headache. It was fine. It wasn't like too in your face, I guess. But the movie itself is great, and I, I do recommend it. It's just it looks like a good time. Just a it, good it time. It's it's a fun. It's sort of a parody or a throwback to '80s style horror films. Oh, that and makes it even better. The the thing it was great when the logos came up for like focus films and stuff before the movie started they were like they made them look really old and they had like the film grain and stuff yeah and i was like yes this is great like sort of like what oh you didn't see magic mike but warner brothers did it with magic mike where they used the old warner brothers logo and i was like oh right that's what i like just the little touches here and there oh yeah you know a little creativity in the title cards or anything like that it's nice yeah i mean it's like it lets you know that you're just gonna be in for a fun it sets the tone is what it does sets the tone set the tone setters (laughs) um okay expendables 2 i loved this movie 
I thought it was fantastic. It was dumb. It was cheesy. It was over the top and ridiculous. And it was just a ton of fun. It, it achieved everything that it set out to do. The uh, action was pretty standard. There wasn't any like specific action scenes that I was just like, whoa. Was it high octane though? It was high octane. There was a nice. lot of explosions, a lot of people getting dispatched. <laughs> it was it was great though. Um, the acting was pretty shitty, um, especially from Arnold. Like he definitely needs to. He's out of practice, I guess. Mm. But he, I mean, he was great. the The amount of one liners uh, and like winks and nods to the to the viewer are so numerous that it's almost overwhelming but i was eating it up like i thought it was to to hear arnold say i'll be back and to have chuck norris say a chuck norris joke in the film (laughs) was great and dolph lundgren was awesome in this one as well it's funny because he's like the comic relief and you don't imagine freaking Dolph Lundgren being the comic relief of anything. And he's hilarious in this movie. He was the sort of the comic relief in the first one, too, I guess. But I do have some issues with it. Jet Li was in it for only a very short amount of time, which sucked. And I don't... I, I guess he just wasn't that into being in the whole film. Or maybe he was just... It was too much. So that he's actually not in it that much, mm. but you do get to see him in a in a fight, pretty cool fight scene involving uh, like pots and pans, which is awesome. <laughs> and it it was like a Jet Li style like martial arts fight, so it wasn't anything stupid. It was it was choreographed. Do they do like an homage nicely. where someone rips off his chest hair? <laughs> no. Oh. no. I was hoping for that. But I would, I would just, I'm thinking of, you know, we're going to talk about how the Expendables 3, and I would just like them, and this is only, I only want this to happen for me so I can laugh my ass off, but how they get all these people together is if they just get B. Takeshi for the third one. That'd be cool. Just to have, like, his stoic facial twitching. <laughs> just to have, like, explosions and everything, and then it's just him standing there. And just yeah. like a little face twitch, and then that's it. So I I recommend going to see it. It's fun. If you liked any action movie in the 80s or 90s, maybe even the 70s, go see it. It's big dumb fun is what I would call it. It's yeah. And nothing deep. No. I, I had a smile on my face the whole time I was watching it. It was just ridiculous. And, and we talked about this off- you know off the air but i mean i'm not into this and i'm not going to see these movies but i'm also i'm not going to critique this because it's not my cup of tea i mean they know what they're making and who they're making it for yeah they're not trying to you know pull the wool over anyone's eyes here and i think that that's one of the problems that happened with the first one i think with the first one they took themselves way too seriously and with this one, it's a lot lighter, a lot funnier. And there's there was certainly one-liners and banter 
in the first one, but there's so much more of it in this one. And having Van Damme as the villain was an excellent choice. The villain in the first Expendables was actually the the one uh, Batista from Dexter, and he was not a good villain. He was pretty generic, but to have Van Damme as the villain, it was great. And at the end, you get to see a pretty awesome fight between Van Damme and Stallone. Nice. Which is pretty, you know, it's just iconic. And I'm very, really excited. The They actually have Expendables 3 and 4 in the works. And Expendables 3, they're talking... Stallone has said that he's already working on the cast. And I think pretty much everybody's going to be back for the third one. And they're in talks with Clint Eastwood... <laughs> Wesley Snipes and Kevin Costner. Or no, I'm sorry, not Harrison, Kevin Costner. Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. And Nicolas Cage is signed on. And, and Nicolas Cage is already on board. So he, he's definitely on board. They're still in talks with um, Clint Eastwood, Wesley Snipes, because Wesley Snipes is in jail. But I think that he's expressed interest when he gets out. Yeah, but I mean, and, that'd, be, that'd be a nice you know gig to set up. Like you're in prison, but as soon as you get out, boom, Expendables 3. Yeah. I would like to see Wesley Snipes in Expendables 3. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's why I said I might watch it with Nicolas Cage. Because, you know, it's going to be batshit crazy, Nicolas Cage. I could see him being the villain. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely him being the villain. Oh, that would be amazing. I would like to see Kurt Russell be in it. They need Kurt Russell. Be nice. And I know that they're not going to get Seagal because they tried to get him before, and he's turned it down like an idiot. Like, well, what? he, you what know, you? he's got stuff going on. He's yeah, got he's a got a lot it. of irons in the fire. Yeah. Well, he's like a sheriff or something, right? He is something. <laughs> I don't know. He is some sort of law enforcement person. Uh, he's a joke, really. Well, the way I look at it, okay, Expendables two. Way better than the first one. Expendables three? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I by like expend. See, I'd like to see their that cast go up against the raid cast. Oh, that'd be awesome. Be great. Or, or if they, the raid would just kick the shit out of all of them. Or if they could just get Gareth Evans to direct the Expendables three. There you go. That's an idea. Throwing that out there. Because Stallone directed the first one, I think, and then Simon West did the second one. But I think Stallone wrote... I think he wrote it. Yeah, he still wrote Yeah, he wrote it. Either way, The Expendables 2, far better. Like, the storyline was just way more interesting. Wasn't quite as boring. I mean, maybe that's what it was. Maybe Stallone just bit off a bit more than he could chew with the first one. Right in directing it and assembling everybody. Maybe that's could how be. this. I think that they they had some time to refine the idea too. Yeah. Like in the first Expendables, yeah, they brought in Bruce Willis and and uh, Schwarzenegger as just little cameos, just throwaway cameos that they were in one scene. Yeah. In this one, they're actually in a significant amount of the movie, which is nice. Mm. And Chuck Chuck Norris and Jet Li kind of take the back seat. They're only in. Jet Li's in really one action set piece that's at the very beginning of the movie. Uh, Chuck Norris is in two two scenes, sort of. 
and but he's still just he's not like one of the team. Yeah. He's the lone wolf. Uh, he's always and there's been a alone. Gr- there's a great line where Stallone looks at him and he's like, "I thought you were a lone wolf." And Chuck Norris goes, "Yeah, well, sometimes the lone wolf likes to run with the pack." <laughs> it's so awesome. <laughs> oh, it's it, just great lines like that. Uh, yes. But they, but they, it was all tongue in cheek. You know, none of it was serious. It yeah. was all fun. And. Once again, Chuck Norris looks like he's a 35-year-old man. <laughs> he does not age. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't going nuts. Like he wasn't running around rolling on the ground and stuff. Uh I was surprised at the amount of action that uh Arnold did. He was he did some rolling and diving. Oh, yeah. And one of the funniest scenes they show in the trailer is when Arnold rips off the door of a smart car. <laughs> it's just so funny. So, anyway, highly recommend Expendables 2. Let's talk about Beasts of the Southern Wild. So, you finally got to see it. You saw it today. Yes, finally. I was supposed to see it yesterday, but food poisoning took care of that. There you go. That sucks. Yeah, so I got to see it today. I don't know, maybe it's kind of related, because I, I feel like if I lived in the uh, little shanty town that these people lived in, I'd have food poisoning 24-7. Yeah. Yes. But uh, well, they, probably, they, they, probably, uh, they probably get used to it after a while. Yeah. Your body would just get <laughs> used to it. Learn to deal with it. Uh, I expressed my uh, love for this movie a few weeks ago when I saw it in the theater, so let's start with what you thought. What what are your opinions on Beasts of the Southern Wild? Absolutely loved it. Loved it. And I know me and you talked about before we started recording is I was in the drive up to the movie theater. And as I was sitting in the movie theater, I got a little bit worried because I've been wanting to see this movie for a long time, ever since it was announced and people first started talking about it at Sundance. And... There was a part of me that as soon as I heard about it, I was like, oh, I'm going to love this movie. And I was a little worried that I had my expectations up a bit too high. And I was like, oh, I really hope I didn't get my expectations up too high. And hopefully this isn't a letdown. And like I told you, within like the first 10 minutes, I was just like, nope. Expectations (laughs) have been met. This is awesome. Everything about this film is... In in my opinion, in my mind, everything about this film is perfect. The everything from the cinematography, the acting, the uh, great score, the soundtrack was actually done by the director Ben Zeitland. Yeah, and another guy. I love the soundtrack. Yeah, the soundtrack can, was great. I've been listening to it on. It, they have it on Spotify. I've been listening to it on there. Actually, Ooh, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look into that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Dan Dan Romer did the original music, which is yeah, it's fantastic. The cinematography is fantastic. The performances are great, even though they're all non-professional actors. Yeah, these are all non-actors. Most of the cast he um, met in Louisiana, and just kind of he had like an open uh, casting call there, and. 
audition people. I mean, that's he, how he found everybody. Uh, the the main character of Hush Puppy, played by Quavenjane Wallace, uh, he found her there, and she does such an amazing job. I think that that role that she did. I mean, she's six years old. Yeah. And the entire time I'm watching it, I'm like, how did they get this kid to do this and act like this? Because it couldn't have been easy. I mean, like, when I look at the adults that are in that movie, I'm like, that looks like it'd be hard to to be in that movie because it is so dirty and grimy and gross and wet. (laughs) It's It's a lot of water. A lot of water, a lot of dirt and mud and dead things. <laughs> a lot of dead animals. Uh, and that was the other thing. They did not use any kind of um, puppets. They didn't use any CG. They didn't use anything. They used all real practical effects. They the the director actually that the pig is a pet. His it's his pet, <laughs> and they dressed it up. <laughs> and uh, I guess they like some kind of use some kind of like compositing to duplicate it or something. Yeah. I mean, just great. And it was just, I got such a sense of like community from the film. And I mean, this is made by uh, Court 13, is the name of like the production company or whatever that Sightland's a part of. And it's essentially, it is just like a community that comes together and makes movies. And I, I thought that they really were able to showcase that is that, you know, it's just a community. It's, you know, just normal people having fun making a movie. And I just thought it was really compelling. It was just a great, great movie. One of the best that I've seen this year easily. Currently, this is still my number one movie of the year. Is it, this is a hard movie to describe to someone who hasn't seen it. How would you describe this movie to some to someone to a layman? To a layman, to well, Ryan. To Ryan. <laughs> let's, let's say well, you describe it to Ryan. Well, I wouldn't waste my goddamn time because he's not going to watch it, but. If I had to explain it to him, I would say that it's the story of a six-year-old hush puppy and her dad, Wink. They live in the bathtub, which is uh, you know, a delta community in Louisiana, uh, poverty-stricken. Um, and I think that essentially the whole movie is, the way that I look at it, is a story of community, family, um, a coming of age story dealing with loss and essentially, you know, growing up and moving on, coming to terms with things. That's, I think that there's there's several messages yeah, that can be taken yeah, there, away from there's, the film. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here. Clearly, it's a comment on global warming as well because yeah. essentially this although we could probably assume that this is sort of like a post-Katrina New Orleans type place, when they show the map in the film, it clearly is not anywhere that's real. I think it's like a fictional, it's like a fictional place. It's almost told as if it's like a folklore or like a fairy tale. Yeah. And 
I think in this, the the polar ice caps have already at least partially melted, maybe. And that's why most of the area and, and the land is sort of based... There's, like, two halves. There's, like, the waterlogged area, and then there's the the, the area behind the levees that's, yeah. like, the dry area. But I, I'd like to look at it more so as, like, the the character piece like the coming of age story yeah i mean yeah i think that the the whole and i don't think that it's very strongly like i don't think that this is like a global warming movie doesn't no 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 it it doesn't like uh, but i it down yeah, your throat or anything i have a feeling that some people probably do take it that way I'm sure that some people look at it like this is leftist bs but I didn't think that. I mean, they just they slightly touch upon it, but it delves into uh, things much more deeper and I think a lot more uh, relatable. It's almost like a human interest piece. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's, a, it's the story of a, a six year old and her parents, and essentially losing one of her parents. I thought it was extremely poetic and just absolutely amazing. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I was sort of bummed out when the movie was over. Because I could have watched it for like another four hours. Yeah. It, it was It was almost like watching a poem. It, it's the way that it's kind of structured. It, it's kind of interesting. Because it's a lot happens. It's like an adventure story. And... There's a lot of dramatic elements. There's a lot of fantasy elements that come into play. And uh, it's just, it's great. It it encompasses everything that I would want in a feel-good movie. Yeah. I I think that it was a perfect mixture of, and it's almost, it's it's a lot like a Miyazaki animation film. In the sense that it real world problems um emotions things that you have to deal with in your life but also with the perfect amount of imagination and just like childlike wonder just perfectly mixed that i thought it was amazing and i wish i really wish that like as soon as we're done this that i could just watch it again yeah, I know. I cannot wait for this to come out on blu-ray dying to see this on blu-ray yeah I'm just dying to see it again, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that the Blu-ray has a lot of cool, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. I would love to see. Yeah, I would like more. to see a lot, too. Just just knowing that they are, like, a community of uh, filmmakers and people that work on film, I would like to see the behind-the-scenes of how they get things done. Because I know that... Um, don't quote me on this, but I think Zeitlin's sister i think did a lot of the set pieces i think she's an artist and put a lot of, put a lot of the uh, set pieces together and the sets were amazing the yeah that that kind of rural setting is one of my favorites i love that i mean that's why i like george washington so much and movies like that it's right up my alley i don't know why but I just love that that setting. Same here. And 
this is uh, another thing that I don't know if you got to read about this or anything, but in uh, not the the last, but I think the one before that, my film comment magazine, there was a big uh, interview with Zeitlin regarding the movie and everything and what the future holds for him. And uh, one of the questions was, is is he going to move out to L.A., you know, and become a big time director? And he said, no, I'm staying in Louisiana. This is where I live and this is where I'm going to make movies. And then he was sort of saying that a lot of people took that as him, like, sort of giving the finger to L.A. And he was Mm. like, no, he's like, it's not that at all. He's like, I just want to stay in Louisiana. This is my home. This is the people that I work with. And I'm going to stay here and make movies. So I'm really excited to see what he holds for the future, you know, that the movies that he comes out with later on. I'm excited. uh... The interesting thing about this is I, I feel like we had this conversation before when George Washington first came out. Yeah. And I remember at the time, David Gordon Green was a first-time director, and we were like, man, I can't wait to see what this guy comes out with next. And it was like he was a young director. You know, that was like his student film. Same thing with Ben Zeitlin. This is like his first feature, and he's he's a young guy. And yeah. I'm I'm just hoping that yeah I'm really hoping that you know however many years from now I'm not sitting here going the sitter four directed by <laughs> Zeitlin you remember that guy <laughs> uh, I well, really I I am concerned about that because this is definitely a passion project and he put everything into this so I. I don't know. I I can't imagine whatever his next feature is if it'll be as strong. I I hope so, but no. I mean, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a bit rough for him because he he set the bar so high with his first feature. I mean, it's going to be hard. I mean, from now on, every single movie that he comes out with, they're going to be like, "Well, it wasn't as good as Beast of the Southern Wild." So that's going to be something difficult to overcome. But I the only reason I brought that up is. I think that's a good sign that he's staying in Louisiana and he wants to be there and he has this sense of community. Yeah, I think that that's good too. But the, when you look at Beasts of the Southern Wild, there was so much that could have gone wrong with this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we've seen plenty of movies that have non-actors playing roles. Oh, yeah. Them, and nine times out of ten... It hurts the film. Yeah. I think he got so lucky with this cast, and, and they did so well. I mean, the Quivegene Wallace, she's going to be in... Uh, she was cast in the new um, 12 Years a Slave. Oh, really? Yeah, she was cast in, in um, the new uh, Steve McQueen oh, movie, man. 12 Years that a movie's, Slave. That movie's getting crazy. Oh, yeah. Huge cast on that one. That movie's going to be amazing. Yeah, but yeah, she was cast in that, and I'm sure it was due to her phenomenal role in in this movie. So so that's a 10 out of 10 for me, and that's a 10 out of 10 from Kevin. So yeah. go see it. It's, yeah. it's, playing, it's still playing in a lot of theaters around, so you should be able to check it out wherever you're at. Which I have to say, I was happy. I mean, I went to the 11.50 showing this morning, and there was, I mean, there wasn't many, but there was people in there, which made me happy. 
Oh, it is. Which you, which you understand because you know where, where I yeah. live. It was, it was, our theater was packed when I saw it and it's still playing like two weeks later. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. So let's move on and go over our predictions. We got Expendables 2. You said 24. I said 30. Actual 66. Man. Way off. Way off. Way off on that one. Good lord. Norman, you said 72. I said 68. Actual 87. And uh, we have Co- Cosmopolis. Uh, you said 64. I said 53. And actual was 64 on that one. Ooh, so you were right on the money. Nailed right it. Right on the money. These are Rotten Tomato scores. I always forget to mention that. And we have Compliance. We both thought that this would be get critical praise and we were right. Uh, 84 was your guess. 82 was my guess. Actual was 91. Yeah. Compliance. I'm, I want to see this movie so bad. Yeah. I, I've been avoiding reviews, but uh, unfortunately with what we do here, I have to read a lot of the, the trades and stuff and I'll, I'll read the headlines and it seems like everybody's loving this one. So yeah, I'm excited. And then we have side by side. This is another one that we thought critics were going to absolutely adore. And you said 94, I said 90 actual 93. So we were right on that one too. And finally we have chicken with plums. You said 80, I said 76, actual 73 on that one. Oh, wow. Yep. So that was a a good week for you. That was uh, four for you, I believe, and two for me. All right. Come back. Come back. Making a a comeback. Matthew McConaughey. Pulling a Matthew McConaughey up in here. Pulling a Matthew McConaughey. Next week, we got Premium Rush. This is the Joseph Gordon-Levitt uh, Michael Shannon action film. What do you think oh, yeah? on this one? Ooh, this is a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to go 61. 61? Okay, I'm going to go 68 on that one. I think it's only a matter of time before one or both of those guys is in something that's not so good. Yeah. Because they've had a really good run lately. Yes. Maybe maybe premium rushes it, but I think it looks pretty cool. So, uh, and then we have the apparition. This is uh, some horror movie that doesn't look very appealing mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a twenty three, twenty three on this one. Twenty three. I'm gonna go like a nineteen. Okay, nineteen. Then we have hit and run. This is the Dak Shepard film i think he i know he directed it i think he might have written it too yeah and it's with bradley cooper and Kristen bell uh this looks like it could go either way for me hmm hit and run i'm gonna go 66 uh i'm gonna go 50 on this one and finally we have sleepwalk with me this is the what's his name? Microbiglia. Microbiglia. Uh, this American comedian. Life. Yeah. Documentary. This looks pretty good, and um, this actually. Have you seen anything online about the the feud between? I I've read about it. I didn't I didn't get to see the actual the actual videos though. 
Oh, it's hilarious. So the Sleepwalk with Me is this documentary about this comedian who <laughs> begins sleepwalking. And it's sort of told through reenactments and stuff. And it looks great. It's, it's produced by the people that do uh, This American Life. And so Joss Whedon, you know, the iconic... Huge director of... Whoa, we're throwing Iconic around already? Uh, uh, to some people. I, 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 would yeah. call him, I, I would call him Iconic just because of the ridiculous following he has. That is true. He does have a ridiculous following for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> uh, eh, I would agree. I mean, I think, he's, I think he did a great job with Avengers, but I honestly never liked any of his TV work. So, anyway... Uh, Joss Whedon came out with this video basically telling people to boycott this movie because it, because people were so excited about this movie, they were demanding that their theaters play it. And it went from playing in like a really small number of theaters to like upwards of 200. And Joss Whedon came out with this video saying that you should boycott it because it's making the Avengers lose uh, theaters and he's not making enough money from it. And it's hilarious. And then uh, Mike Rabiglia and uh, Ira Glass came out with a response video against uh, (laughs) the Avengers saying that they, they now want to make $1 more than the Avengers made at the theater. (laughs) It was just, it's funny. I mean, obviously, no, it's all just a, a joke, and Joss Whedon's supporting this film, so. Yeah. I think that this is going to be pretty good, and I'm going to say, like, 85. Yeah, I have to say I'm extremely excited. I want to see this movie very badly. I'm going to say, like, an 80, 87. There we go. Okay, that's uh, predictions. Let's go over the DVD releases for this Tuesday. What? Uh, let's see. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff on Tuesday. First up, we have The Dictator. This is the Sasha Baron Cohen film. Um, when I first saw this, I actually liked it. However, it's one of those where the longer it sat with me, the less I kind of liked it. So... Mm. I'd say it's worth a rental. I mean, I still wasn't like I hated it, but it, it was just it's, average. Yeah, I guess. it starts I, to wear off. I, yeah, I don't know if I actually said it was anything more than average when I actually saw it. So it's probably worth a rental. I'd like to see the unrated version that was banned in Malaysia. <laughs> I think that might be might be funny. I don't know. Yeah, we have. Chimp- or what are you going to say for The Dictator? I'd say check it out. I mean, I sort of want to see it. and That's one of those movies I had to talk my wife into seeing, but I want to check yeah. it out. And we have Chimpanzee. This is the Disney nature documentary narrated by Tim Allen. <laughs> I think we commented on that before. Yes, we did. <laughs> I said that it was going to hurt. Yeah, and it, 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 got, like, it got bad reviews then. Yes. <laughs> I feel bad. Because Tim Allen's probably a nice guy. Yeah. He's, he's a good... He does a lot of commercials. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. He does guy. like Campbell's Soup. 
I've noticed him in Campbell's Soup commercials. I'm just I'm waiting for him to show up in like a Tarantino movie and just yeah. make like some crazy comeback. Be great. I'd love to see a home improvement movie. <laughs> Directed by Tarantino. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um I my girlfriend saw this and she she liked it, but I probably honestly won't see it. Nah, I probably won't see it either. Yeah, I might. I probably won't. That's an in-between for me. Do we have an in-between category? Yeah, maybe check, maybe okay. check it out. Maybe not check it out. Maybe know. on a Sunday afternoon. I don't know. If you got time. That's your that's your uh, <laughs> obscure French film slash mumblecore time. Yeah. Saturday afternoon. That's what I'm talking there about. There you go. And then we have Bernie. We talked about this last... Was it last week, I guess? That's yeah. it's Saturday afternoon. It's Sunday afternoon. My apologies. I don't even know my obscure French mumblecore time. Jeez. Unbelievable. Uh, Bernie, I think, is a solid rent and possibly even... I might even buy this one just to see. I'm hoping that the Blu-ray has some... um, Behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. I would really like to... And when they do the, uh, the credits at the end... And they're sort of showing Jack Black actually talking to the real life character. That right, he plays. I want to see that. I ho- yeah, I hope they have some of that on the special features because I would like to see those two interacting. And yes, yeah, yes, that would yes, be great. Yes. So definitely, I-, I would say pick that one up. And then we have a separation. Ooh, definite. I still haven't seen this. But definitely see you it. You seem to love it, so this might actually. I think I gave it a nine out of ten. You did first yeah. first visit. That might bump up to a ten out of ten. I don't know. Wow. Maybe I'll watch it again and see if it deserves it. Definitely see a separation. Then the fantastic movie. Yeah. Well, this was nom. It was nominated for uh, Academy Award, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, what else do we got? Anything? Uh, we got Attack of the Killer Backpacks. What? <laughs> Finally, out on DVD. Are you serious? Finally. I've been waiting for Attack of the Killer Backpacks for so long. I don't understand why they waited so long to put that out there. Because the studio just never realizes the gems that they have. No. Uh, we also have Hell. That's a German post-apocalyptic story that it was pretty good i saw it so you're saying uplifting no okay (laughs) no i just heard post-apocalyptic and german so it's figuring uplifting and the only other one i want to mention is zombie (laughs) a-hole that sounds like a ryan movie yeah it might be a Ryan movie. That Zombie is... A-Hole. Wow. That sounds exactly like a Ryan movie. Yep. I have, um, t- I have two to mention. Okay. Uh, we have Weekend coming out on Criterion Collection, Blu-ray, which is uh, Andrew by... Or, yeah, Andrew by... A film by Andrew High... Uh, talking about a one-night stand between two gay men. And this was actually a surprisingly good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I would definitely say check that one out. Uh, If you're okay with watching 
um, two men have sex with each other. Oh, if you don't, if you don't, then I wouldn't check that out. That reminds me, there is there is a sort of a gay joke in Paranorman that is hilarious at the end of the movie. It's not like offensive or anything, uh, but it's awesome how they do it. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I would definitely check this out. Plus Criterion. It's, you know, it's quality. No brainer. Uh, One other thing. And I completely forgot about this movie, but I know you have seen it. And I remember talking way back that I wanted to see it. That is the Korean movie Breathless. Oh, yeah. Finally coming out on DVD, which makes me extremely happy because I've been wanting to see this movie for years. And I sort of forgot about it. I actually did, too. I did, too. I I, I saw it when I was in Pennsylvania on a on a trip up there because i remember telling you about it yeah um, a, like a low-life gangster he has a problem with like his rage yeah and sort of takes it out on the wrong people and i think he i think i remember you telling me that there's the scene where he sort of takes it out on a little girl and then he, it's sort of like their relationship the little girl and this gangster it's um it's very violent it's pretty brutally violent but it it, it hits you in spurts it's not like nonstop violence, but when it hits, it hits hard. Mm. So I'm excited about that. I definitely want to check that out. I've been wanting what to see that? that. Oh, I was, <laughs> was going to say, was that the same name as that other stupid um, Gus? Was it Gus Van Zant? The rest, restless. 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 Yeah, it's different. No, this has, this has the same name as the Jean-Luc Godard movie, Breathless. Yeah, yep. And every time I see the Godard Breathless, I'm like, oh, oh no. <laughs> okay, I think that wraps it up. Um, there's a couple... There was one other one that I actually just saw on this list that um, I wanted to mention. Uh, it's a film called Shuffle. I'm not sure if you heard. This is a little... I just saw it. I think I remember you talking about this. The cover's terrible. Yeah. But it's kind of this interesting story about this guy who every day he wakes up, he's a different age in his life. Oh. So one day he'll wake up and he's like 15. The next day he'll wake up, he's like 30. The next day he'll wake up, he's like six. And it's um, directed... it's directed by the guy who did the documentary Dear Zachary. Oh. Yeah. This is like his first um, you know, narrative film. Uh, I'm very interested. And the other thing I noticed is that it has a uh, large number of people from the show Bones are in this movie. And I don't really get why. Like four <laughs> people from the show Bones are in this movie. It's just like a... Uh, Bones. I was gonna uh, say reunion, but that's still on TV. Isn't it's still it? on. Yeah, I've, I don't know. I've never seen Bones ever. I don't hate it. The only reason I've seen seen it is because my girlfriend likes those procedurals, and Bones is one of the ones that that isn't horrible. Mm. Well, I think that does it. I think that yeah. wraps it up. That's it. For all the latest film news and reviews, make sure you hit us up at filmpulse.net and we want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedback at filmpulse.net or call our voicemail line 
at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that greatly. And hit those donate buttons. We need your help. We're poor. <laughs> we are extremely poor. Poverty stricken. Poverty stricken. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie when we have him watch Rad.